You've created your business and now it's time to protect it. Whether it's your podcast, speaking engagements that you do virtually or live on in-person stages or the community that you've built, you want to make sure that what you've created is taken care of and well protected. This is where AWB contract templates come in. They're customizable, quick and easy to complete and cost a fraction of working with a lawyer one-on-one. They have tons of options available so you can choose the ideal one for your business needs. It's an instant download. You get a Word doc template, you fill in the blanks and in about 20 minutes, you're all done. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash contracts today to pick out your new business contracts. And when you check out, be sure to use the code play for 20% off your contract purchase. That's P-L-A-Y in all caps for 20% off. Protect your business with AWB contract templates. Make sure it still lines up with your values. You know, we're all always changing and growing and moving things around in our business and life change the world changed. So take a look at your contract and just make sure that it is still in alignment with your values. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Pause on the Play. As always, it's amazing to see you here where you are challenged to reconsider your normal and consider realities you may be unfamiliar with in order to understand that they too are real. I am your conversation MC for the day, Erica Corday, here to get the dialogue going. So, y'all, just 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 so you know, the Rona got me finally. That son of a sea biscuit came and got me. Um <laughs> I tried, I fought a long and valiant fight and it got me. And so literally the day that this podcast was supposed to be recorded, uh, it was the day before when I finally was like, oh my gosh, I, I am questioning life in this moment. And I think something is wrong and realized after testing that, yeah, I did indeed have it. And so I chose to prioritize health and rest, and I didn't record. However, a beautiful thing happened. Um, India uh, consulted with our podcast production team over at Yellow House, and I really realized that having an amazing community of people around me that can support me, not only when I'm not feeling my greatest, but also even when things are great, they're all a part of being able to bring this vision and, and desired impact and the goals that we have. They're a part of creating this. And so India interviewed uh, our amazing guest today, Autumn with Boyd, and I was just really excited. And honestly, knowing that not only was there the conversation around, hey, you know, how do you think maybe we should handle this? But there was a conversation that was had that really was just so beautifully wrapped in consent. And I wanted you to know that honestly, this is less about me being ill and then, and yet being able to recognize how this amazing community that has been created is all a part of bringing not only amazing content to you week after week, but also making sure that we are always staying in integrity with our values. There was a conversation that went into, hey, Autumn, you know, 
Erica's sick. Do you still want, you know, me, me being India to interview you? And this is what'll happen if so. And if not, this is what'll happen. And whatever you choose is totally fine. But I want to make sure that you're on board with whatever it is that you choose. And that allowed everybody to move forward from a place of clarity and transparency and full consent. And knowing that that was a part of the the beautiful byproduct of how this happened. It just made me even more just proud and grateful for everything that's been created here completely and always with the pause on the play brand and how it shows up in so many different ways. And so this was just outstanding. And if you are curious of, you know, having more of that conversation around consent and how that can show up, you know that we're talking about that inside of the community. There's an amazing workshop that was recently facilitated by uh, two of our amazing members that went into consent and really just being able to witness what uh, Stacey Lampkin and Shannon Collins brought in that workshop. Like it was so good and it gave so many things to consider. And I love the fact that we got to dig into consent. And so if you want to come in and partake in this evergreen workshop, because you can do this whenever it feels good for you inside of the community, or if you just want to have more of that conversation about it with our fellow members, you can do that right now by going on over to pauseontheplay.com forward slash community. You can join, you can be a part of all of this. I also want to make sure that we acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on the stolen land of the Susquehannock, Piscataway, and Antigua people native to this area known as Maryland. So before we get into it, I want to make sure that I tell you a little bit about who Autumn is and give you some of this good bio loveliness. Autumn Whitboyd graduated in the top 10% of her class from Vanderbilt University Law School, a top 20 law school, before ultimately landing as a senior associate as a premier copyright litigation law firm for photographers and stock photography agencies. After spending the first 10 years of her career battling over copyrights and business issues in courtrooms across the U.S., Autumn left big law behind to start the AWB firm in 2015 so she could spend her days helping entrepreneurs build, protect, and scale their businesses the right way instead of fighting with other lawyers. When it comes to intellectual property and business strategies, Autumn is known as a thought leader in the online business community, and she's passionate about making sure solopreneurs and side hustlers who may just be getting started have access to the type of protection they need to build their businesses on a solid legal foundation with customizable contract templates. She's done that working with influencers like Amy Porterfield, Charlene Johnson, and Corinne Crabtree. Autumn loves to socialize over coffee or better yet a glass of champagne to read a good novel monogram and put glitter on anything that sits still long enough. I love that. And travel to new places, finish half marathons and spend time outdoors. Autumn is licensed to practice in Tennessee. So, so excited for y'all to listen to this interview with Autumn Whitboyd and India. Enjoy. It's easier to fit in than stand out, but fitting in doesn't create a legacy. Bi-weekly, India Jackson, the co-founder of Pause on the Play, has conversations exploring branding and visibility. You get to listen into conversations and you get to decide what exactly 
will branding and visibility be for you right now in this moment and the type of legacy that you want to create? Own your values and amplify your influence by giving the Flaunt Your Fire podcast a follow today. Welcome to the show, Autumn. Hi, India. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. I just love that today we're able to really ground in our values of community and collaboration. And so this is just such a fun episode <laughs> and potentially some not so fun circumstances for Erica of having the Rona, oh. but of being able to highlight the value that community can provide and really being able to trust your community to continue to lead even when you're not available. Hopefully by the time this airs, Erica is back on her feet, <laughs> doing great. But I'm glad to talk with you today, India. Same. And, you know, just a disclaimer, we've had plenty of conversations before about legal. You are the service provider for our company, Pause in the Play, as well as our other brands. Um, you've done our trademarks. So we look at you and your brand, the AWB firm, as our go-to people for legal advice. Um, and I think that's important to be transparent with our guest on that. <laughs> yeah. And I know that for you, it's also important to share um, and <laughs> your terminology that anything that we mentioned on this episode technically is not legal advice. Yes. Thank you for doing my disclaimer for me. I am a lawyer, but I'm not your lawyer if you're listening unless you hire our firm. So I always say this is meant to be information, not advice, just to kind of get your wheels turning. But if you have specific questions, be sure to reach out to your own lawyer. Make sure you're getting the good advice for your specific circumstances. Well, speaking of legal advice, one of the things that we're digging into this month as this airs is consent and pause in the play of the community. Specifically, we're auditing different areas of our life, our business, how we interact with people for consent. And I know one of the questions that many people may have as they start to think about auditing for consent is like, how can you even audit that? And as we started coming up with this topic, one of the first things that came to mind for me, <laughs> which is how my brain works, but was actually like the legal part of consent. And so you were the first person I thought to have that conversation with. Because I think so often people understand the idea of consent when it comes to like bodily permission of like, I didn't consent to you touching my arm or <laughs> whatever that may be. Um, but when we start talking about what consent means in other areas of life and in work, it can get a little bit gray, maybe a little confusing. So I'd love if you could share what does consent mean to you in a broader respect? Yeah, well, this is timely when you reached out and said that this was your topic. I have, full disclosure, three small children. Um, I have twin boys who are 10 and a daughter who's six. And um, as a mom of boys, I think about consent a lot in the bodily autonomy space and with my daughter too. But I recently just bought a book for them called Consent. <laughs> it's um, uh, I'll send you the link after we're finished, but it's um, it's kind of cartoon based, so it's funny and it um, you know, it takes a very serious topic but breaks it down for the kids. So, um, well, and that I, is the whole title. Um, no, it's well, I pulled it up before we started. It's called <laughs> Consent for Kids! Exclamation point. Boundaries, respect, and being in charge of you. Um, but it's funny when my son, when I first showed it to him, he said. Mom, what is consent? And so we call it the consent <laughs> book. <laughs> <in our house. laughs> 
Oh, and, so you know, cute. there's constant wrestling and roughhousing. And I'm always like, did he consent to you doing that? Um, but when, so, so that has been on my mind a lot lately. Um, and, you know, with me too, and all of the things that have been in the news. Um, so I had not honestly, until you kind of posed the question, thought about how consent applies in your legal documents or how you do business. Um, but once I started thinking about it, I mean, so much of what we do in business I think if you're running an ethical business, which is what I like and I advise our clients to do, um, which often is usually the the most legal way to run your business as well. Um, I mean, from the very first time that you are talking with someone or marketing to someone, I'm, you know, there's been a lot of talk lately about consent based marketing. You know, is someone just because they're talking with you, are they consenting to being sold to <laughs> or, or are they just wanting to have a conversation? What can you do with the information that people provide to you? You know, their email, their email, if they sign up for a freebie or something, you know, are they consenting for you to send them five emails a week about whatever the thing is you're trying to sell that week? Oh, God. Or did they really? Yes. So I think it shows up in so many ways. So those are just a couple. And then, of course, you know, if you're actually, you know, selling something to someone, hopefully they are consenting to your contract and have an opportunity to read that before they hand over their hard-earned dollars. Um, so those are just a couple of things that came to mind. We can dive deeper on any of that. Ooh, there's so much there. Um, and I think before we we go any deeper in specifics, I just want to note that I feel like consent was not something that was being discussed when I was younger. Mm. Um, Same. And for context, I'm 35, and as we're recording this, it's 2022. Um, so when I think back to when I was your children's age range, no one was discussing <laughs> consent with me. And I've noticed more and more that uh, people between that I'm talking to between the ages of 30 and like 50 are saying the same thing, mm -hmm. yet it's being discussed more now than it ever has and I'm wondering why do you think that is happening? Like, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I thought about this, um, you know, before we hit record. I think some of it is just our culture has really shifted. I mean, think about, you know, sexual harassment was not really a thing when, until some of the big stories hit the news in the 90s. And, you know, our laws have changed, too. I mean, sexual harassment was not something you could sue for until that time. So, you know, I'm full disclosure, I'm 42. As we're just as we're discussing this, I'm a little older than you, but I had the same experience you did. But I remember some of those shifts in our culture happening when I was, you know, in kind of my early teens. And I remember reading, you know, teeny bopper magazines about, you know, um, unwanted touching or, um, you know, not necessarily going as as far as rape. But I think we're just we talk we're talking about it more. And so I think that does have, you know, kind of shift culture shift, um, our laws, our customs and practices. Um, and then I see like in the parenting stuff that I read, um, there's so, it's so different than when I was growing up, you know, uh, and there's, so there's a lot of talk now and, and I'm sure it is partly self-selection of who I choose to follow and listen to, but there's a lot of talk about, you know, don't force your kid to hug their grandmother if they don't want to. Mm. It's, they have they have bodily autonomy and, and the right to make those decisions. So, I just think really the, and I'm sure not in every community is is this, um, you know, the custom or the practice. But uh, I think we're seeing much much broader changes. And so I just think the more people are talking about a different thing, the more we start to see that reflected, and it kind of does trickle down. 
Yeah, I can totally relate to that. I remember growing up for me, um, it was very much of like, do what I tell you. <laughs> it was like the culture. <laughs> and so if I tell you that part of being polite is that you have to say good morning or good night mm-hmm. to certain people, you have to hug certain people goodbye, um, then that's just what you do. There wasn't really a conversation around like, does this feel good in your body? Right. Are you consenting to this? So it's been so beautiful to watch uh, friends and colleagues like yourself with small children doing something differently with their own kids. My mom still gets mad, in case you're wondering. <laughs> they don't hug her <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> but I think we will see a generational shift <laughs> as this continues. We're kind of shifting gears a little bit and bringing it into more of the legal world. I feel like one of the things that can pop up on someone's radar when they're thinking about consent and legal can be like the agreements that they're signing or the contracts that they're signing or those little check boxes that mm-hmm. says, I've agreed to the terms and conditions. <laughs> and when we do that, please let me know if you feel differently. I'm wondering if we're consenting to what that says. And if so, I've noticed that very infrequently do people actually read what they may be consenting to. Mm-hmm. So. Why do you think that this is this way? Yeah. So, I mean, from from a legal standpoint, that checkbox at checkout, if you, you know, check, hopefully it's unchecked when you get there, that says, you know, I agree to the terms and conditions of this program or this product or whatever. Ideally, you should be given the opportunity to review those terms. So they should be linked either at checkout or, you know, some people use a scroll box, but you should be able to, now, like you said, not everyone will read them. Um, But for it to be true consent, um, and I think to to have a real contract, you have to give people the opportunity to read them before they're actually clicking that box. Now, if they choose not to read them, um, which many people will not, um, they are still bound by them. It, it doesn't matter whether you read them or not. I mean, it, under contract law in all 50 states, if you either sign a contract or check that box, which is binding, you are on the hook for everything in that contract, whether you read it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if it's, you know, if it's a high dollar item, I talk about this with our clients sometimes, like if you're selling maybe a, a high dollar coaching package or something, you know, a really expensive commission, if you're an artist, um, we do sometimes talk about walking your clients through the agreement, either on a sales call or, you know, putting it in an email or some way to, almost force them (laughs) to read it or kind of force them to engage with it. Um, And I think that's kind of one more step to getting that informed consent. Um, And I'm a big advocate for that. You know, I think a a checkbox is fine for something that's low ticket or that's low risk. That's not going to be a big deal if something goes wrong. But if you're paying, you know, $20,000 for something, or if you're going to be working one-on-one with a consultant, I really do think it's important that it's more of a conversation about what that's going to look like. And the, the contract just kind of puts that in writing. But, um, you know, I do think there it's 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 obvious it's always on the customer to, you know, to read and know what they're agreeing to. But I think as a service provider or a, a seller of services or products, part of doing a good job and making sure that you are giving good customer service from the very beginning is making sure that that other person actually understands, you know, all your all your rules or how you work with people, all of those things. Yeah, I love that you shared um, that option that many people, you know, may not be considering 
of like literally setting up a call to talk about what are the terms and conditions that you're going to agree to in advance. Because that's just not something that I I witness many service providers do or have on their radar as an <laughs> option. <laughs> I know so many people just want to like rush to close the sale. Let's get it done. They don't want anything that slows it down. But honestly, when we have, you know, we see behind the curtains of a lot of online businesses and we help them navigate tricky customer issues or refund requests. And nine times out of 10, the reason that the person is unhappy or is wanting a refund is because they probably weren't a good fit for the program or the offer or whatever to start with. Either they weren't in the right place in their business, or maybe it was a real stretch for them financially, or you know they just weren't set up to get the kind of results that were being promised. And so I think slowing down feels bad. <laughs> you might sell less, but you're probably going to do a better job and have happier customers and, you know, much less problems on the back end. Those are direct like return of the time investment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the things that's also on my radar that you mentioned is like a lower ticket or lower um, like risk item. Would you mind providing like one or two tangible examples of that? Just so that anyone consuming this conversation can have an idea where you're coming from. Yeah. So when I th- when I think about risk legally, I think of it kind of proportional to what you, what's at stake. So um, if you're buying an ebook, for example, it's ten bucks. That's not very much money for almost anyone. It is you know if something goes wrong with the ebook, you're not really going to be damaged. <laughs> it's just kind of like it's low risk for the, both the purchaser and the seller. On the other end of the spectrum would be like a very high end, high touch one on one consulting engagement, like maybe you creating a a new brand for someone or, you know, going into a corporation and training their employees on something, Um, you know, high, high dollar, high touch, you know, longer term engagement. Some other examples of a lower ticket, you know, think of any kind of digital product that's like a DIY, um, like a self-guided course for $27 or I'm trying to think like a a template that you could download for not very much money. I kind of think of, you know, anything recorded workshop. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, low cost, if someone doesn't get the result they were hoping for, <laughs> they're probably not going to bother to ask for a refund. It's just, you know, kind of low investment, low stakes. Um, you know, you certainly I'm a big advocate because I am a lawyer of have always having some sort of terms or a contract, no matter what you're selling, because it is your intellectual property you're probably selling in any of those instances. Um, so you want to put some guardrails around that. But again, if, if something goes wrong, it's just not going to be that big a deal, hopefully. So a moment ago, you lightly touched on something that I think is probably on other people's radar um, is like, how can you continue to create that transparency that you mentioned of being able to offer that call on maybe a higher ticket item where you talk through, here's what these terms really mean and what you're agreeing to. How can you begin to create that transparency in other ways without necessarily creating more barriers to the purchasing process. Yeah. So I can share a couple of things um, that we've done at my law firm with varying levels of success. (laughs) Anything automated, (laughs) you know, is a little bit of trial and error. But um, we found that when we were working with new clients, often we have kind of a, a set process that we always start with. And we found that clients just weren't coming in, understanding that process. And we were like, well, we, we tell you about it. We couldn't understand why people weren't, you know, understanding it. We're like, we told you, well, 
we realized that people learn in different ways. So we were sending it in a very long email form, you know, mm. with bullet points. Not everybody's going to read that, frankly. <laughs> we always show <laughs> no one reads emails. Um, so we added a really short video to our website. I think it's like three minutes long um, that outlines the process. So before you even decide whether you might want to hire us, you can watch that video and see what the process is. It's also in writing on that same page. Um, at certain points, we have done um, personalized videos. Like if someone sent us an inquiry about working together, I would record a quick video and send it back to them. Confession. I am totally the video person. <laughs> I'm more and, likely to watch your video than yeah, read the email. And I mentioned my age. I hate watching videos. Like I would much rather read. <laughs> so, and I know some people prefer audio. So, you know, it's different people learn in different ways. We've not tried. I know some people learn like graphically also. We've not tried like a graphic rec- representation. But anyway, I think just kind of thinking through that. Um, another thing that we added is uh, you know, we do sales calls for all of our new clients because we want to make sure it's a good fit for both of us. So we added as part of that call, rather than just, you know, me asking questions about the business and them asking questions about us, I actually walk through our process on that call. And we have like Mm. a three slide PowerPoint where they can read it. I talk about it. They can kind of see it all laid out. I guess that is kind of a graphic representation. It like lays out the steps. Yeah. So we just, you know. (laughs) We've tried lots of different <laughs> different ways. I feel like now, by the time you start working with you, you have had the opportunity to learn about this process like six different times. <laughs> and so now it's just, and I think you can think about like your contract or whatever, you know, the way you work with clients the same way. Like you almost have to bang people over the head with it a little bit. But I think, again, that is, you're getting real informed consent. Like people are going to come in knowing what they're signing up for. It's not going to be unclear. I love that because I am also witnessing in highlighting this in many different ways, you're also creating accessibility Mm -hmm. um, and and meeting people's different needs for learning style. So speaking of accessibility, (laughs) our world has been through so much in the last few years that has that hopefully still on people's radar. And the desire to have more diversity. And we've watched like our culture go from that not being on the radar at all to being like completely on the radar of having diversity in your events, on your podcast, in communities. Uh, And then some people made a return to business as usual and are like not thinking about it anymore. Others kept with it. Um, Some people have integrated more ethical business practices since then. Others are still in the harmful land. Um, But with that said, I feel like in witnessing all of that happen in such a very short period of time, I'm really curious to know from you as somebody who has been a leader in the legal space long before 2020, what have you witnessed change for your firm, for contract templates, and just legal as a whole over the years? Yeah, I think that's really interesting. What we've seen, and I think, again, when we think about like who we work with, we are a, a kind of ethics forward law firm, and we are not really interested in working with people who just want to make all the money, no matter what it takes to do that. So I think our clients are a little different than um, maybe the mainstream, but we have not really seen people go back to their old practices. We have seen, now maybe maybe they engaged a DEI consultant for a period of time, and then that person is you know, kind of moved on. So maybe I, I have seen a little bit of that where I think there was a little bit of, um, oh my gosh, we need to address this. And then 
feeling like, okay, I, f- I think we've kind of got our feet under us a little bit, but I have not seen people kind of revert to ignoring it, uh, which I think was kind of where we were in 2019 and 2020. So that's a positive, <laughs> at least from, <laughs> from where I sit. Like, I think once you, once you update your contracts to reflect, to reflect different values, I'm not seeing then people, you know, going back and putting harmful things back in. So I think that's good news. Now, are there things behind the scenes where there's tough decisions to be made? Of course, I think we have probably as a firm and I, as a lawyer have definitely become a little more, I don't know, what do you want to say? Not mean, <laughs> but I, I definitely um, am a little more, I don't know, outspoken um, with clients. You know, I think in the past I might have, you know, they're, of course, the client is the boss. I'm a lawyer. I give advice, but I can't make the decisions. Uh, but I'm a lot more um, resolute now. If I see someone doing th- something I think is unethical or is kind of pushing that boundary, I will say, you know, at the end of the day, it's your decision. But I really think you need to do X, Y, Z. Like, I, I think that you're, you know, I will never help someone do something illegal, of course. That's a very clear line. But there's lots of things that are in that gray area that are not technically illegal, but are, you know, a little bit shady or not how I would want to run my business. And we've definitely cut some clients loose, too, who ended up not being in alignment with our values. I think we're seeing more businesses, I think, being more forward with their values, more public and outspoken about that. And I do see that, you know, not just being, I mean, sometimes it is for show, um, but when it is a, a something they really do kind of live into, we are seeing that kind of permeate into how they're making decisions, what their contracts look like, what their team looks like, all of those things. Um, I know one of the things that you offer is like customized contracts for your retainer clients, mm-hmm. but you also have a uh, contract template shop, which has some incredible templates in there. And I'm really curious to know for someone who would be a fit for those, um, if you could share how your values may have evolved some of the contracts that you're creating. Because I noticed that you mentioned your clients are starting to put their values in their contracts as well. Yeah. Well, full disclosure, Erica and India have <laughs> been our partner in this, not not a law partner, but uh, um, we've collaborated. And um, I wanted to to create a new template because I had heard people asking for it. And I couldn't find one anywhere for basically a diversity writer. So the thought was, if like you, India, were invited to speak at an event, you're going to be signing the events contract for for the speaker agreement. But maybe you have some specific things that lean into your values around diversity, equity, and inclusion that you would want to add to their contract. So that's called a writer. And it's very common for performers and speakers to have a writer. And people kept talking about DEI writers, but no one actually had one. And I did a ton of research and I could not find any anywhere. And I felt like I was not necessarily in the best position to know what issues should be included. Like I could do the legal part of it, um, but I'm not a speak. I'm not a paid speaker. I'm not on this circuit. I didn't know exactly what issues should even be included. So yes, I did um, want to collaborate and get your yours and Erica's input on that. And that was super duper helpful. Um, and that is now in our template shop. So, and we've collaborated on some other things too. I have so appreciated the input that you have given us about the issues that you're seeing because you're in different circles than we are. And they have made our templates so much better. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in full disclosure, one of the things that got me most excited about that is because I was witnessing um, speakers make the decision to not appear on stages anymore, whether it be virtual or in person, depending on when in this process um, that was happening, to where um, 
there was no diversity. Mm-hmm. And even though that is what they were saying, oh, okay, well, I'm not willing to do this unless you add diversity to your roster of speakers. Um, they were getting people sometimes saying, okay, we're going to do that. Happy to do it. Didn't even realize that was a thing. I'm so sorry. And then it didn't actually happen, but they right. had already signed an agreement that didn't allow them to cancel their appearance. Yeah. So yeah, we wanted to put some teeth <laughs> into those verbal agreements. Yeah. And I think that like that is just such a, a big example. But I also know um, one of the things that we worked on together was um, looking at how you can begin to add some of those diversity and values pieces into uh, community agreements as well as group programs, pretty much the spaces where you're being amongst more than one person, as well as podcast. Could you share a little bit more about what has shown up in that and um, and kind of what that's like from your perspective of adding in those diversity pieces there? Yeah. So we talked about, and this was another area where I so appreciated the issue. You know, I don't run a membership or a community. So having yours and Erica's feedback on the issues that you were seeing popped up really opened my eyes uh, to some new things. So I was just so grateful to that. But one thing we talked about was just putting some rules around conduct. Like this is how we expect people to behave in this group space, in this container. And if you break these rules, we can kick you out. (laughs) And um, making that very clear, again, letting people know on the front end, like you can't come in here and be acting in, you know, violation of our values or causing harm to other people and expect that you can stay. (laughs) So just making that really clear um, in the contracts and then kind of highlighting that too. And that's another thing that I encourage our clients to post those. Like if you have a Facebook group or some other online community or space where people are gathering, you know, to really make those clear so that people can easily see, okay, here's what I can and can't do in this space. Here's what is and is not tolerated. Um, So that was a big one. And then the other thing I remember that you all brought up was that you were seeing, I don't want to call it reverse discrimination, but um, especially in kind of summer 2020 around the George Floyd murder and after with um, more emphasis on Black Lives Matter being seen in a lot of these spaces, um, a lot of memberships or coaches were having you know, holding special space for certain subgroups. And then other members who were not in those subgroups were getting annoyed by it and saying that they should have some special privilege too, or, you know, which it's just, I remember when I heard that, I was like, that is bananas to me. But of course people act out when they feel like they're being treated differently. So we put some terms around that, you know, just giving a a coach or a, a mastermind or a community the ability to offer different things to different groups and that, you know, well, you can get upset about it, but you can't get a refund or you don't get any additional special (laughs) services just because some other group did. And we do this all the time as lawyers. When we see an issue pop up a couple of times, we're like, oh, got to add that to the contract. Um, So I, I just was really appreciative of kind of seeing that real life example and being able to then put it in the contract where, okay, we're, we're just not going to, have that be a big question mark. We're going to put it in the contract. So it's very clear. Thank you so much for mentioning that because that specifically is something that I just don't even think many people even consider on a Mm -hmm. day-to-day basis until something happens to make you have to consider it. But you would never think, or at least 
you would hope that if a support group for um, people who are affected by a certain event was created to have a space just for them to discuss it without feeling like they have a gaze from people who may not understand that people would like point that out and be like, oh, well, that's like now discriminating against us. (laughs) That was legit (laughs) happening. (laughs) Oh, people are the best and also the worst. (laughs) (laughs) But that is like the beauty of having these things in the agreements and uh, having people consent to the ability to do this Mm -hmm. and being very clear that the values of whoever is leading and running this membership or communal space wants to be able to offer these types of support groups or or subgroups within the group um, if necessary and when necessary is so important because then you know from the beginning, like, this is what I'm getting into and I'm okay with that enough to still pay. Yeah. And I think one thing that I, one really positive thing that I have seen is that so many more businesses are more forward about their values and it makes it easier as a consumer to shop for businesses that are in alignment with your values. I know if I'm going to join a community space, I want to get a feel for what the vibe is going to be and who else is going to be in there and what, what their policies and procedures are going to be. And just so that I know, like, is this, am I okay with that? Do I, is that a kind of space that I want to be in? Um, And so having those things in your contract that people can review beforehand is one way that people can kind of see what kind of space is this going to be? Have you witnessed any other um, values of yours or your clients get integrated into your agreements in the last few years? Yeah, something that came up recently that's been a big hot button issue. I think you guys may have talked about this is um, non disparagement clauses. Yes. Or like, you know, kind of gag order type things in contracts, um, which again, were just kind of routine practice for a lot of years. People would just stick them in there and nobody really blinked or thought about them. Um, but now people are talking about how what a damaging effect they can have on people giving, you know, true and accurate. I don't want to say testimonials, but um, maybe accounts of what they yes, accounts were. or yeah, um, of what they experienced in different with different businesses or in different programs. And so we actually had a client who I would say is one of our more values forward clients who uh, came to us a, maybe a year or two ago and said she was doing a big affiliate launch. And she said, one of my affiliates won't sign my agreement. And it was not one that I had written because we've we've never really used non-disparagement clauses as a standard contract term. There are places mm-hmm. where they make sense, but in like a customer contract or an affiliate contract, I would not normally put them. So I took a look at her agreement and sure enough, there was one there that her prior lawyer had drafted. And so I was able to explain to her you know, what the issues were, why she, you know, why we don't typically use them, um, how they can be damaging and why I understood why that person didn't want to sign her agreement. Um, And as soon as we talked about it, she was like, oh, of course, let's take that out. Like, I just had never thought about it that way. So I think there are a lot of kind of these business as usual things that once, 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 you know, you can do better. Um, But if people aren't talking about it, you know, it's like, you don't, half of us don't even know what is in our context, I think, because they can be long and boring. And, and also, you just you don't know. You don't know. It wasn't on my radar that in the online business space, um, some people were being like silenced about mm-hmm. sharing maybe even like hateful or racist experiences yeah. because they had agreed to non disparagement and their clauses. And P.S. Those contract. are illegal in customer contracts, so those those should not be there. 
Um, I think that's a little known fact. And that's one of those like in our industry, a lot of people do things <laughs> that they don't know are wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there is a federal law that your customers should be able to give accurate reviews of your of a business and their experience with them. Um, so if you have a non-disparagement clause that prevents them from just basically stating their truth, um, that is not allowed. Wow, you learn something new every day. (laughs) (laughs) Now, again, if it's in like a settlement agreement or sometimes in the employment context, there are places like I use them in other agreements, but in your standard customer terms, they should not be there. Hmm. So I want to pause for a moment and have you taken a deep breath, maybe even close your eyes. I want you to imagine that you found yourself in a legal agreement with something that you didn't consent to. What would you do? This was so tricky because normally we're on the other side of things. I know. <laughs> Not really getting other people advice. Um, In my so, mind, I feel like you probably read all the terms. I know. Everything. Yes. Well, I mean, first thing, obviously, I would go back to the contract. <laughs> I would reread the contract, um, see what we agreed to at the outset. And then I would, like you said, take a deep breath, um, try and put my emotions to the side because it's very easy. It's hard to think clearly when you're kind of all in your emotions. I would probably bring in a trusted friend or coworker (laughs) who is less emotional than I am. Um, uh, Because, you know, a client said to me recently, she's like, you're so calm when you're helping us work through these sticky issues. I'm like, yeah, because it's not my business. It's not, it's not (laughs) emotional for me. Uh, But yeah, when it is your business, it's very, very hard to have a clear vision. So yeah. And then I think, when you do find yourself in one of these sticky situations, when either someone is trying to say you agreed to something you didn't agree to or trying to get you to do something you don't want to do or didn't think you agreed to do, I mean, you're basically in a negotiation. So I would probably try and think about, okay, what do I really want? Like at the end of the day, how do I want this to end? Is this a relationship I value? Is there a lot of money at stake? Is my reputation on the line? You know, kind of think big picture because I might take a different approach depending on all those things. Those and then, are powerful questions. By yeah, the way. yeah. No one ends up getting everything they want. And this is what I tell clients all the time. You know, they come to me with a problem and they're like, well, I want to get a full refund and they can never say anything bad about me and da, 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 you know, all these things. And I'm like, well, that's never going to happen. You're probably both going to have to give a little bit. Um, if it were easy, you wouldn't have had to come to me for help. So, you know, figuring out what what I'm willing to let go of, what I what I can give that's not going to hurt too much to end up getting hopefully a a result that I can live with. Uh, such a powerful framing of that, um, especially because I know um, it's easy to talk about legal and like a proactive standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you have some some feelings about this, too, but many people only address their legal when they need to do it from a reactive Mm -hmm. standpoint. Yes. You know which one we prefer, India? (laughs) We prefer to be proactive. It's always less expensive and less traumatic. Um, But the longer you're in business, the more you're going to have just, I mean, things happen. We were talking with a woman this morning who had someone who was a contractor file an unemployment claim, which is not what you do when you're a contractor. So basically saying she should have been paid as an employee. The unexpected will happen, and then you you kind of have no choice but to deal with it, and you just hope that you've maybe done enough proactive things to put yourself in a good position. But there will always be things that pop up in any business. So um, in that stance, you know, I think making sure that you are living into your values and have people that you can 
talk with and lean on to help you get through them, I think is absolutely critical. Mm, I love it. And I love that you shared so much today about how you can integrate those values into your legal agreements. I know that your values as a brand, as the AWB firm, but also as Autumn, shows up in the contract templates that you offer to people who um, are purchasing those as well, which is so important to us when we look at who we want to partner with. And just thank you for for <laughs> collaborating with us on that um, and always being open to discussion. And I just love that every single time you reevaluate your templates, you reevaluate values and add new things in, um, people who've purchased them get an automatic update in their inbox, which is super cool. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we we have gotten definitely the better end of the deal of having you and Erica's eyes and input on our contract. So it has been a, a dream collaboration for us. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and I just have one more question. It wouldn't be a pause in the play brand episode if we didn't have people take action instead of just consuming this conversation. So is there any action or thing that you want someone to consider um, to move forward with their life as they continue to create change? Yeah. So, you know, I'm going to give you a legal answer. Um, so what we've been talking about today is really living your values into the way you run your business. And for us, that shows up a lot in contracts. So I would encourage everyone, think of your, if, if you're a business owner, your main revenue stream, so the your money maker, the main way that you are making money, take a look at your agreement, your customer agreement, your client agreement, whatever that looks like, your terms, if it's a course, take a look at that. Or if you're an influencer, you know, you're, you may have like a sponsor agreement or a um, collaboration agreement, pull that out. You probably haven't looked at it in a minute. If you used a template or worked with a lawyer, I encourage everyone to look at it at least once a year and make sure it still lines up with your values. See if there's anything weird in there that like, in the, you know, we're all always changing and growing and moving things around in our business and um, life changed, the world changed. Um, so take a look at your contract and just make sure that it is still in alignment with your values. See if there's anything that maybe needs to be taken out or updated or changed. Um, I'll give you a couple of key things to look at. We already talked about non-disparagement clauses. So if you have one, think about that carefully. Um, refund policies is something that We've been talking about a lot with our clients. Is it really an integrity to have a no refund policy? And if so, how are you ensuring that you're really delivering what you're promising? If you are using your customer feedback as a testimonial, do you have their consent to do that? Do you have their permission? Mm -hmm. And then a big one, we mentioned community guidelines. And then the biggest one for me is how can you end a relationship it, if things are not going well. Often we find that's not addressed in agreements at all. Um, and so kind of thinking about on the front end how you would want a relationship to end, I think can be really helpful. Oh my gosh. I so love your action item. <laughs> Thank you so much, Autumn. You're so uh, welcome. I'm going to say if you're someone who um, has gotten this far in the episode and you don't have a legal agreement in place for your moneymaker please go get one. Um, and this isn't just a plug because we're an affiliate partner, but you truly do need one for your money makers. Um, I would say everything in your business eventually, but at least start with the thing that you're selling the most. Protect yeah. yourself um, and also create that transparency and that consent for the other person buying on the other side. 
So if that is something that you need and you're looking to have one that is thorough, is customizable, and will fit your budget, I'm going to encourage you to head over to pauseontheplay.com slash contracts, or you can go straight to the AWB website. And if you use the code P-L-A-Y, that's play, you'll get 20% off of your order. Yay! (laughs) I have one more thing I'll add, India, which is we created a little guide for your listeners. If you are not quite ready to purchase a template or work with a lawyer one-on-one, we have a how to write your own contract guide that hits on those main things you want to make sure are included. So I'll send you that link. You can throw it in the show notes if you would like. Absolutely. Yeah, that should be really helpful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Autumn. It is always a pleasure to have you here. So fun to talk with you. Thank you for asking really deep and probing questions. It's been fun. (laughs) So glad that you got to take in this episode. Um, I'm actually like, hmm, I think I want to explore what could happen if maybe we played around with having a little more guest hosting. I love being able to highlight the people that are a part of the amazing Pause on the Play, the community, all of us. Indy and I are members as well. We're part of this community. And being able to allow them and the amazing expertise that they bring, being able to be centered and a part of how the conversation happens, the questions that are being answered, I, I think I might want to explore that some more. But we'll see how, we'll see how that goes. So I also want to make sure... That as Autumn mentioned at the end, that you make sure to go and get your free guide on how to write your own contracts. A good contract protects all parties that are involved in the agreement, and it makes sure that everyone is in full consent to the terms of working together. This guide is going to help you to learn the five terms every contract must have and what they mean. Plus, you'll get to receive the value-packed weekly emails and top legal resources from AWB. You can visit bit.ly forward slash AWB contract, bit.ly forward slash AWB C-O-N-T-R-A-C-T. It'll also be linked inside of the article in case you want to go ahead and click through and go directly from there for taking in this amazing podcast goodness, being a part of having these real conversations so that the normalizing of challenging things continues to happen, even with the Rona happening to me. I thank you for being here. Together, this is how we continue to remove stigma and create real change and connection. Together, we cross lines and recreate boundaries to support and not separate. Let's continue getting more people to drop the veil while challenging their thoughts, feelings, actions, and state of being. So, until the next time, keep the dialogue going. Bye. Ready to get clear on what matters? Let's do this. From implicit to explicit is a framework that helps you to get clear on what matters and how it informs the way you live and lead in your workplace. Whether it's focusing on the team building and connection that can happen when you talk about what matters to you as a person or how it informs the outcomes that you seek in your business, it can all completely change the game. Having clarity on what your values are and how this shapes the way your work creates the foundation for every action that you take 
and then sharing this information across your team explicitly. This is what creates confidence and integrity in what it is that you are creating and sharing with the world. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit to learn more about this collaborative and interactive workshop and sign up today. Ready to lead through your values?